Welcome back to the Brexit Brits Abroad podcast. I'm Dr. Mikla Benson, a reader in sociology at Goldsmiths University of London and the research lead for a UK and a Changing Europe funded project that's all about what Brexit means for British citizens living in the EU 27. Today, I want to talk about another side to what might be a more familiar story about Brexit. And you'll know that one of the big conversations about Brexit was what this means for EU nationals living in the UK, and particularly for EU nationals who'd already been on the receiving end of quite a lot of stigmatisation and racism. Early work that came out about uh, what Brexit meant for EU nationals did focus on the increase of racism and xenophobia directed towards this population. And particularly notable in that reporting was the experiences of Polish citizens who were living in the UK. Today, however, I want to talk about the other side of the coin, and it's probably not something that people think about quite so frequently. But that is UK nationals who have, for a variety of reasons, decided to settle in Poland. And I'm joined by Steve Davis, who is a PhD candidate in sociology at the Polish Academy of Sciences. And he's been looking at exactly this, British migration to Poland and their experiences of settlement. So hello, Steve. Hi. Hi. Nice to talk to you. I thought that it would be nice if you could tell us a little bit about what we know on a kind of macro level about the British living in Poland, kind of how many they are, why they migrated and settled there, and kind of what the kind of factors were that could explain some of that settlement. Okay, well, it's it's a bit of a mystery, really, how many British people are actually in Poland. One of the reasons, I think a little bit like France, is that there was never... Uh, at least during the European Union membership, there was never a necessity for British people to officially register to get residence permits. So uh, some figures put the British residents as low as around about 6,000. Um, however, some figures from the Oxford Migration Observatory in 2015 placed it as uh, more closer to the in the 30,000 range. It's really impossible to to estimate how many British people are here, but I would say that 6,000 would seem to be far too low and 30,000 would seem to be a little bit too high. I, I would I would say prox, approximately 20,000, I would guess, but it's just guesswork. Why, why they came? Well, obviously, before 1989, before Berlin Wall came down, before the, the transformation, there were very few British people here. It was a very precarious existence. One or two people I do know who were here actually had to, to leave, and it was all, all very political. But there are a few people who've been here for a long time. More people, many more people came after 1989 when the system changed here. Uh, and a lot of people came in to teach English. Uh, it was kind of quite a big thing to do in those days. It was an adventure for young people. A little bit risky because it was seen as being further out to the east uh, and also there were opportunities for business people to come here and to help with privatization to help set up companies this kind of expertise so there was kind of mixture of, of, of youngish people here for business for adventure and so on um, and then obviously with the accession to the European Union in 2004 
then it took a lot of the risk away and people could just come freely and continued to come. But a lot of people came for a year or two just for an experience, I think, to get something on their CV before going home. But but an appreciable number of people have stayed and have even been here for 15, 20, 25 years. And of course, now we're, new, we're moving into a new era of what we might call renewed uncertainty, potentially the loss of freedom of movement, and where British people will now be third country nationals. I think that's really interesting in terms of those kind of different historical moments, which are quite particular to Poland, and how those might interplay with people's uh, experiences of moving there and settling there. I suspect that this kind of the accession of Poland to the European Union kind of brought different types of opportunities. Do you think that's do you think that's fair? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that a broader range of people were considering Poland as an option because, it, as as I say, you know, there's a kind of confidence and a kind of reliability that not much can go wrong if you're exercising freedom of movement and you're settling here and you can kind of project a life into the future, not necessarily the rest of your life, but a, a larger portion of your life. And I think we've got, we can see people coming here to retire we can see people coming here with uh, partners, wives, husbands who've decided that maybe a future in Poland is uh, is a nice idea. Obviously, people are attracted to the cheaper lifestyle. They're attracted to larger tracts of open land and countryside. It's not, not just people going to the city. What I found also is that there's an appreciable number of people spread out all over the country often living in isolation as the only Brit in the village, if you like. I I suppose that points to um, some of the circumstances in which people are migrating. And although we very often think about the individual migrants, actually, I think that kind of what you're pointing towards is people who might be migrating also with a Polish partner. So somebody who already has that experience of Poland. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Several people I've talked to, they've, they've sat down with their partner who has often a Polish partner who's often they've met in Britain. Whereas I think in the past, before 2004, people tended to come individually to Poland and then meet and marry or form relationships. So, so, so now I think it's uh, slightly the other way around in, in, that, uh, in that people are, are meeting partners in the UK and then sitting down sometimes and discussing where their future would be better off. Many, as you know, many Polish people coming to Britain are de-skilled. They're highly qualified, and the opportunities for them are often not available, particularly with the the atmosphere politically we have at the moment. So sometimes they're just voting with their feet and saying, we'd have a better life in Poland. They're kind of family decision-making processes, but it's also a really important reflection on what EU integration has meant in practice in terms of these kind of transnational, dual-national families. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And reflecting on conversations I've had with Polish people in the UK, often you get to the point where the children are a little bit older, they're going to school, and the parents, although they might like to return to Poland, they say, well, our children don't want to go, our children are British. I think younger couples who have just had children or are planning to have children are moving back and and starting their families here. 
I wondered if you wanted to explain a little bit about the research, the approach that you're taking, um, who you're talking to, and, and kind of what about. So I decided it would be interesting to take a longitudinal case study and to look at different people who came during different times and also to kind of chart what happens to them over a couple of years. So I tried to make sure I interviewed most of the people taking part in my study before uh, January the 31st, before the beginning of the withdrawal agreement. And we've we've all more or less agreed that we will keep in contact and then talk again in depth in January of next year or February of next year after the, the, the real Brexit kicks in and Britain is actually outside of the European Union to kind of look back and, and, and talk about what their predictions, whether they came true, what kind of what kind of things have really changed for them? Because really, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of mess. People are not particularly worried too much, but they just don't know what's happening. Tell me a little bit about why you think the kind of longitudinal approach is particularly important when it comes to, first of all, looking at a group who, to my knowledge, have never really been the subject of research but also in these kind of changing social and political times. This has a significant impact um, on the lives of people living long term in Poland, for example. And I'm very interested in how resilient people are over time, how what kind of actions people take over time to try to ensure a stability and a peace of mind because whether or not you are significantly impacted physically materially by brexit for example um, psychologically it has an impact on everyone i want to try to chart that change as it happens to different groups of people different age groups uh, men and women in different parts of the country and try to analyze um, what kind of strategies they they use how they build capital, how they deploy capital that they have brought with them or, or, or constructed here, how they use that in different ways to try to maintain a sense of control, a sense of balance in their lives. I think that's really, and, and to do that, you do really need to take time over it and to check back in with people, um, don't you, in order to get a real sense of... Yes, because things, um, things, are, things are always changing. I suppose one thing that people might be um, interested in is the story of, well, the stories, stories, plural, of settlement uh, in Poland and those kind of moments where you realise that things are a bit different, uh, not necessarily in a good way or a bad way, but how people talk about that experience of moving and settling in a place and what we can learn about their understandings of Poland and how those develop over time. It's interesting because many people that I've talked to who are living in Poland are not living abroad for the first time. So they have experience of being foreign in another country, whether it is it was as a child uh, in part of the Commonwealth or whether it was as somebody exercising freedom of movement in Spain or France, for example. So they have a, a different kind of attitude towards their, their Europeanness and their, their being in Poland and the way that they understand it 
compared to, for example, people who are coming to Poland with very little or no experience of living in another country or speaking another language. And what's been brought home to me a few times is, is, is people talking about the way it's changed the way they understand being British or being English in that they they talk about having been narrow, more narrow-minded, less understanding of the situation outside of their own country. And now that they have this kind of viewpoint looking back, they have a much, uh, a much more, in a sense, a more detached understanding of what their British identity is and a more detached understanding of politics back in the country that they came from and a, and a broader, more, more of a world view on things. Many people that I talk to are, are, are skeptical about the media that they consume, the British media, and therefore they tune into, into all sorts, uh, Al Jazeera, uh, Russia Today, just, just to kind of to read between the lines and to get a broader view of what's going on. I think that's really interesting because I wonder, I wonder about um, what moving abroad does as a kind of um, process to make people understand themselves, first of all, as British, because, of course, when you live somewhere, perhaps you're not really thinking about it that much. And then how you use that experience of thinking about what it means to be British in that place as a way of reflecting on the state of the nation or on the, that idea of a kind of a singular understanding of Britishness. Yeah, and, and I think the, the, the very interesting thing is, particularly when you teach English, you're confronted immediately with this concept, this construction of what Britishness is, which you don't recognise at all. But then when you start to think about it, you start to take it apart and see Britishness as being a whole range of different things which you are projecting, which are being projected onto you. And then you kind of then are in a position where you have to consciously negotiate which aspects of Britishness you want to embrace, which you want to reject, and, and also to understand that very often it doesn't matter how you understand yourself as British, but there are many other people who have different understandings of you. Uh, so it's, it's, a, it's a very complex kind of identity game that people are slipping in and out of. I think that's I think it's really, really fascinating to see what those kind of global imaginings of Britishness or Englishness are and how they influence people's experiences of living in a new place. But I wondered what the people that you were speaking to were telling you about their experiences of settling in Poland, the things that stood out to them as, you know, as, as, as kind of memorable um, when they first arrived. To give you a personal a personal story, I remember my first year when I came to Poland, um, and at Easter time, I said to my my girlfriend, at, because in Britain Easter is a time when many people go on holiday. I said to my girlfriend, "Okay, so so where are we going to go for Easter?" And she she gave me this look of disbelief and said, "What do you mean? We're going to go to church on Thursday. We're going to go to church on Friday. We're going to go to church and then it's like go to church five times and spend the holiday in front of the television with the relatives." And that was just standard. I think it's those moments that really highlight some of the differences in, in how we think about uh, 
or, or the differences in how prominent religion particularly is uh, in a particular society. One of the things I did want to talk to you about before, before we go today is Brexit. I wanted to hear about how the British citizens that you've been working with in Poland, how they're feeling about Brexit uh, three years afterwards and, and after we entered transition on the 31st of January. What, what are they telling you? Well, as you would probably expect, most people living in Poland, most British people living in Poland were in favour of Remain although many of the people I'm talking to were disqualified from voting in the referendum by the 15-year rule, which many of them had no idea about until the time came to vote. Um, So initially, their reactions to Brexit were, were rather emotional, disoriented, angry. But this kind of gave way to a kind of depression, for most people, there are there are still diehards who are who are feel just as angry today as they did then. But many people kind of sadly accepted, particularly after the general election, that Brexit was going to happen. Many people feel disempowered, disenfranchised, and I think they feel more distance now towards the UK as their kind of number one location. I think they've kind of severed more links with that country apart from obviously with family and many of them are just more hopeful that there will be some kind of good settlement that will to a certain extent protect their freedom of movement protect their businesses but overall it's just a general kind of worry that things are not great that the image of britain has been tarnished that some sort of um sense of fair play is is you know has been revealed to be a myth although there are other people who who are saying well we knew that you know what britain was always like and and we expected brexit to happen anyway so it's certainly not a case that that everyone would have voted for remain or that everyone expected remain to happen uh, there are several people who kind of world wearily expected brexit to happen and those who have Polish families often talk about how their husbands or wives are a little bit bemused and and don't really know how to respond. It's kind of, well, you'll get over it. I suppose part of this is that in these cases, as you said, particularly around the people who moved kind of post-accession, some of this was an active decision to move to Poland, which might be moving back to Poland for Polish partners. But I suspect that at the same time, um, even with the people that you're working with, I imagine that a lot of the Polish people that they have relationships with, have regular correspondence with, also have friends and family who are in the UK who are living the other side of it as well. Yeah. But when it comes to British people's friends and family in the UK, um, families basically stick together. Most people that I talk to, their voting behaviour is very similar to to their parents, if they're still with us, or their expectations of how their parents would have voted. When there are disagreements over Brexit with maybe a family member, a close family member, 
it tends to be good natured and it tends to be something which they agree it's not in it's not serious enough to have a, a rupture a family rupture over however when referring to more distant family members like aunts or sisters or brothers-in-law uh, who voted the opposite there is often been a distancing of relations and a and a and an unwillingness to kind of be in contact with someone who has voted against what they see uh, personally voted against their their well-being i think that's really interesting because i think again very often a lot of the analyses have focused on individuals whereas actually we all know from our own experiences that um, Brexit is often experienced through these various different relationships that people are involved in and the way in which those personal relationships are impacted by Brexit is also subject to these kind of negotiations that people are making about the the strength or the importance of the relationship, what needs to be done to maintain that relationship, whereby over a distance, so a geographical distance, which might be introduced because somebody's moved away, those can be even more tricky to navigate. And I think that's that's certainly something that I've uh, seen in, in, in my research and people reflecting on what they do to, to navigate what is a very difficult situation quite often. But um, thank you very much, Steve. It's been wonderful talking to you. Thank you. Thank you very much, Pagela. You've been listening to the Brexit Brits Abroad podcast with me, Dr. Mikola Benson. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, you can do so by searching for Brexit Brits Abroad on iTunes and Libsyn. And to join in the conversation, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at BrexPatsEU and you can visit our Facebook page, Brexit Brits Abroad. To find out more about the project, visit our brand new website, that's BrexitBritsAbroad.org. And I'll be back in a couple of weeks with the next episode.